This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Hello, thank you for listening to another episode of Reclaiming Families. As always, we want to remind you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, um, check out reclaimingfamilies.org. We have some resources there that we would love for you to, to see, and we really hope that the Lord can use that to help strengthen your family. Um, today we have a special guest here with us. We have Christy Whitehead and she works with Isaiah 117 and they are doing a lot of work within DCS here in Knoxville. And so Christy, welcome to the Reclaiming Families podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be able to speak with you and to, um, tell your listeners a little bit more about us and kind of what we're doing here. Yeah, definitely. Christy, first off, tell us a little bit about you and and who you are, what you do and your job and things like that. Okay. So, um, I'm a wife. My husband and I moved here in 2017 for work. Um, I was a receptionist and then, um, we had two small kids. We have Luke and Leanne. And for two years, um, while we lived here, I was a receptionist and I poured into my family. And then um, in November of 2019, I found out that Isaiah 117 house was expanding into Knox County. Had no clue what it was. I knew that I wanted a foster and my husband kept saying no. Mm-hmm. So um, after I found out what they were and what they did, I decided that this was my plug. This is where I was supposed to be. And so now I've joined on as an employee, um, as program coordinator Awesome for our county. That's cool. Super cool. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I would say that uh, I've heard of Isaiah 117, but what is you know, Isaiah 117? What, what is the, uh, um, yeah, what is it and how did it, how did it start? Sure. So we were founded in Carter County, Tennessee. It's about two hours from here near Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, it was founded by Rhonda and Corey Paulson, who were walking the journey of becoming foster parents. And throughout their journey of um, becoming certified and of getting their first placement, they found out about a day that most people don't know about, and that's removal day. Mm. And so they decided... Um, that as a community, they could make that first day in foster care different and better. Yeah. And so they yeah. went out into the community and Isaiah 117 House was born. Um, and really what we are is we are a nonprofit. We're a 5013C. We are fully funded by the community um, because we don't think that the broken system is the government's problem. It's the churches. Yeah. And good. so we created a safe landing space for children on removal day. Okay. So it sounds like the vision for Isaiah 117 is just that, that it would be that first day would look different. Yes. Originally Rhonda thought that it was really going to be one location in Carter County and God had 
other plans. Yeah. Um, he has grown it. We're in several different states now. So the wow. vision is not just no child in a cubicle or conference room in Carter County. It's no child in a cubicle or conference room anywhere. Wow. We've so, even had two different countries reach out. Wow. That's exciting. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. Wow. So it sounds like it started here in Tennessee, Carter County. It's all over the nation, starting to go all over the world. And now here in Knoxville, how long have things been going on here? Expansion started in November of 2019. And by March of 2020, um, the goal was for six to eight months to go out and spread awareness in the community. Okay. And so that's where by you're March at right of- now? Yes. By March of 2020, our calendar was full and then all of a sudden it wasn't Mm. and um, because the pandemic hit, but we are actually getting ready to have a groundbreaking on our future home um, on November the 14th because in the middle of a pandemic, a church reached out and said, hey, we've got property. Wow. And a contractor reached out and said, hey, we want to help build this house. And so um, even though we were scared and didn't know where God was going to lead us. Um, he has been working and moving even in the middle of all of the chaos that we're seeing in the world right now. Yeah, That's awesome. And, you know, I was really encouraged. One time I was at a car lot and uh, a lady walked up to me and I was walking out the door. And I guess she thought I worked there. I'm not sure, but she's like, Hey, I'm, I'm from Isaiah 117. And she started giving me this, the spill that she was about to give, you know, the car lot. And, uh, you know, I was like, hey, let me stop you right there. Like, I'm, I don't work for, you know, the, the car lot. And, but let me take you to the manager. And so I, I took her to the manager who runs it. And then, um, and I left though before she gave her spill. But Isaiah 117, it kind of caught my, caught my ear. But I didn't find out much about it then. But I was impressed by the, um, just the go-getting recruitment or raising funds and raising awareness. And people were just in person. So it wasn't just a, social media blast out but it was like hey we're going to all these businesses and a lot of these car lots i go to i see isaiah 117 i see uh jackets and and stuff and a big sign says isaiah 117 where people are donating and uh, i was like you know it's all because somebody walked in there and said hey will you support us us? partner with us and and uh, and i see people yeah i see the i see the energy too behind it like uh rusty wall chevy is what i'm thinking of in Clinton, Tennessee, and and mm-hmm. uh, great crew of guys and uh, and girls and or men and women and but they just they're excited about Isaiah one seventeen and it gets you know it gets me excited about it and the more I hear about it, I'm like wow what a I am very impressed with Isaiah one seventeen yeah I think that the problem is is that you know I'm not a foster mom um, I'm not a social worker and so I never thought about removal day before mm-hmm. I didn't know what it looked like and most people in our community doesn't know. Um, so as we're going out and telling people that children are going back to an office while they wait for placement after they're removed, everyone's going, what, why are they sitting in a cubicle or a conference room? And they can get behind that. There's something physical that they can do, whether it's pray, volunteer, um, donate monetarily. And they really feel like they're making a difference. Yeah. And And they are. And, and that, what you just said, it kind of brings me to my next question. So kids going into cubicles or sitting in an office, um, you know, just 
removal day in and of itself, I think is in my mind would be super traumatic for any kid, even if no matter the situation they're, they're in because they're leaving mom and dad Mm -hmm. or mom or dad or whatever they've known as home, they're leaving. So it's already traumatic. They're going with strangers. And then can you, can you give us a picture of like what currently is happening within DCS while kids are awaiting a foster placement? Sure. So what happens is after they're removed from their home, and like you said, I would have thought before I got into this role that removal day would be celebrated because they were going to be going somewhere safe. Um, It doesn't matter if you and I approve of mama. They love mama. It doesn't matter if we would have lived in their home. They did. So it is, like you said, already traumatic. And then they're loaded up by a possible stranger. And they're brought back to the Department of Children's Services, um, which is a government building. They walk in. There's a reception area um, with chairs. There's some receptionists behind glass windows. The receptionist, you know, will buzz the caseworker back in. And they're in a sea of cubicles. I mean, we have almost 800 children in foster care. Mm -hmm. And so you can imagine how many caseworkers we need. Is that Knox County? That's just in Knox County. Um, and even as an adult walking back and seeing all those cubicles, it's daunting. So if you can imagine being six, seven, eight years old, in the end, they're going back to a room with no windows and a couple of couches and a TV and some toys that have been donated, a couple of tables to eat at, and they wait. And before COVID, that wait could have been two, four, six, eight hours but we're in a foster care crisis right now. So we don't have enough homes. So sometimes that two hours is turning into two days and they're sleeping on futons or on air mattresses. So help me understand too, like the need for, so you said there's 800 children in foster care system, or did you say 8,000? What'd you say? 800. 800, 800 people right now in Knox County, that are in foster, that are placed in foster with foster parents or are, is that, what, what is that number? Is that people waiting foster parents? No, that is the number that have actually entered into care or in homes. Okay. But we don't have enough homes. So they're having to go to other counties or group homes or um, I've even heard that some kids have had to go to juvenile before because there was just nowhere to place them. Yeah. And so when they're in this room with some toys, a TV, and a futon, I, is their caseworker also staying there with them all night? Yes. Um, the caseworkers are always in charge. And, like, um, if they're here all night, they don't get to sleep. You know, they're sitting up watching these children. Um. So it it is hard for the children, but it is also hard for the caseworkers as well because they're still trying to work. They have a workbench back there. They're still trying to work while the kids are traumatized. Yeah, and I imagine that if a caseworker has seen this over and over and over again, then there's probably, like, I don't know, some compassion fatigue In some cases, yeah. And I'll be really transparent with you. I thought in November of 2019, when I heard Rhonda's story, 
and when I was dropping food off or when I was, you know, dropping off air mattresses because futons were no longer cutting it, that I understood what, what was happening here. And I mean, this office is only 20 minutes from my house. But recently I became a certified volunteer so I can actually go back and get eyes on the kids. I had no clue. I mean, it's, you don't think it happens in your county, but it does. I've had teens approach me and say, Miss Christy, can you please just take me outside? Can I please just go run? Or, you know, why can't you take me home with you? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. So they're really, they're, it's not just like, you know, these rebellious, I don't know, mean kids being thrown in a room where they get to play, but it's like, they're feeling the weight of, I'm in a room, there's no windows, I cannot see outside. Mm -hmm. They are, and there's, there's nothing outside for them to do here. I mean, they can't even get a shower. We had a girl recently who had a really bad lice infestation, and they did her lice treatment in the break room. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like because everyone walking by that break room knows what's happening. So there's no dignity. Mm. And then there's also people wanting to go in there and get food and drinks. And that's gross. So it's a really hard situation and they're doing the best that they can with what they've got. And how many kids would you say at one time are in that room? Is there someone in there all the time? Is there multiple kids? Um, it depends on the day. Sometimes during the school day, there's not any. Um, it just depends on the ages. But I have been in there with up to kid, 10 kids before. Okay. And that's from smaller kids up to teen. So, yeah, they're and they're strangers to each other, I imagine. Not just, you know, it's not brothers and sisters. I mean, sometimes it is, but it's... Yeah, some of the teens know each other through school or something like that, but a lot of times, yeah, they've never even met. Okay. And there's a lot of different dynamics in one room a lot of times. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's, yeah, I'm just trying, I'm thinking through all these foster care horror stories in my brain. And, uh, Sorry. And it's not, I mean, it's not funny, but uh, it is a, uh, but that's that's why Isaiah one seventeen is stepping into. We're saying, okay, these children. This at this point, this is what we're doing. It's not necessarily. I don't know. It's not long term, right? It's very short term. Um, it is. We're not. A lot of people think we're a foster home. We're not that. We're literally a landing space. Um, we'll have an actual home with a fully stocked kitchen, fully stocked bathrooms, a playset outside, a privacy fence, beds. Um, a place where they can really be a kid on their worst day and the caseworker will come and they will have a workspace and they'll still be in charge, but we'll provide volunteers. And the idea behind that is you go find placement and do your work and take a breath, use the bathroom, get a snack. We'll love on the children Hmm. and together we can do the job really well. Yeah. And so how would a kid's removal day start to look different with if, if, so, with an Isaiah 117 house here in Knoxville? Sure. I mean, it's 
it can change their whole trajectory because they're not walking into what feels like a doctor's office. They're walking into, you know, a home with cozy colors and big comfy furniture and love and grace. And then when they leave us, you know, right now, a lot of these kids walk in with a trash bag or nothing Mm -hmm. and they will leave with everything they need for the first two to three days. Okay. And that, that can even include for that foster family, high chairs, beds, whatever they need. We just need them to say yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself can help hopefully um, gain more foster families because right now they're shopping at Walmart at midnight for new placements. Yeah, I get that. So, and, and you mentioned like a fully stocked kitchen, a playground, that sort of thing. What else? Like what, what will this house be like? Beds? Um. So we'll have two bathrooms. Um, one's geared more towards little kids. One's geared more towards teens. Okay. We have a girl's bedroom and a boy's bedroom. Um, the caseworker's office and they'll get their own bathroom. We will have a full basement. Um, and we'll call that our giving room so the kids can go down there and there'll be clothes and toys and anything the kids need. They can go down there and pick what they want, all brand new with tags. That's awesome. Yeah. And just like I said, big cozy furniture, there'll be a visitation space. So, um, biological families won't have to do visitation here at the DCS office. They can actually go to a home and do that as well. That's cool. So will that be long-term or will that just be in these first initial days? That will be, it can vary. Okay. Um, so there may be a kid that's been in foster care for a couple of years and his biological mom's going to come visit him. Um, the caseworker can send them to us okay. um, in that space. Okay. And it'll have its own entrance and everything. Okay. Yeah. That's really neat because right now it's like, you know, I guess a lot of kids have been meeting with their families at parks and things like that. And so McDonald's. it's, yeah, it's getting colder and the opportunities are, are going away, especially to do like bonding things together. And so it yes. sounds like it's even giving spaces for um, families to reconnect, build some warmth, build relationships. And that's good. Absolutely. I mean, I, I take my kids to the park and they don't want anything to do with me. You know, they want to go play. I can only imagine what that's like for a biological parent who wants to spend time with them. And they're at McDonald's up in the, um, the play, thing play area. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard for an adult to get up there. So <laughs> at least this gives them a space where they can, color and draw and talk yeah that's super important for a little while okay. mm-hmm. that's good uh, yeah i mean i just had a question too like about volunteers like how do uh, your volunteers so you said that the caseworker comes to the house with the child right and then they go find the home right they're they're, they're working to find a, a placement for them and then you said you have volunteers that are going to love on the kids. And and uh, so, like, how many volunteers? It sounds like the home setup are just two kids at a time. Is that right? A boy and a girl? Is that kind of like the need? So we'll have, we can take more than that. Um, we typically do bunk beds or two twin beds per bedroom. Um, 
but then we can also pull out, they may have trundle beds. It just kind of depends on what's donated or what we have the money for to be able to do. Um, they can always sleep on the couch or we can pull out air mattresses. And even though that's not ideal, it's still better than yeah being in an office. Definitely. Um, so I, yeah, that really varies. Okay. So, but it, it sounds like it is a small, it's not like, we don't have 15 kids in the house, right? You're going to be maybe five. We're, we're, we're saying like five would be like a, a full house, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you may have some large sibling groups that come through. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. And people have asked, why don't you build the house bigger? Um, and that's because we don't want the kids to get lost. <laughs> you know, we want DCS to still be able to keep their eyes on them. And we want it to be cozy. Yeah. So that's good we don't want to build it so 30 kids can be in there. Yeah, right. that makes sense. So what is the role of the volunteers? How did, how does somebody become a volunteer with Isaiah 117? Yeah. So we need all the things. Um, we have one good person per house. Everything else is done. Volunteers. Um, you can go onto the website. It's www.isaiah117house.com and fill out a form. And we will need anything from yard work to cleaning to organizing to caregiving, which means being in the house with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to be 21 or older to be a caregiver, and you do have to get background checked and go through a, a certified training. Um, we also do a trauma training because a lot of our kids have um, seen a lot of really hard things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I've, I've had some people approach me and say, I don't want to be in the house with the kids, but if you want me to bake some cookies and drop them off, I can do that. Or I don't want to be in the house with the kids, but I can organize some stuff. So we need anything and everything. There may even be things that people are interested in that we've not thought about. Yeah. So um, people can just reach out and we'll come up with a plan. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Go ahead. It sounds like, sorry, sorry. It sounds like it's like, hey, how do we just dream up? How do you create a warm environment here? You know, and you can you can help help us do that, help us build that. Absolutely. So this is a question. I know this probably isn't directly a Isaiah one seventeen question, but maybe a question you know about. It sounds like a lot of times people are not ready to just dive into what it would it be like to have foster kids. You know, for indefinitely but and I could be wrong about this but I've heard people like have opportunities to have kids for a short term in their house is this like is there opportunities for other families in the city of Knoxville to kind of use their home in a similar way to where people can like kids can come in and stay one or two nights and then go be placed somewhere or how does that work absolutely yeah so there is a thing called a respite care Um, And that can go for emergency placements or temporary placements. It can also be used for foster families who might need a break. Um, From what I understand, because I'm still learning as I go, you still have to become certified. Like you would still go through the same protocols Mm -hmm. as a foster parent, but you can sign up to just do the respite. Okay. Not have to be full time. Yeah, and it sounds like if you were had already gone through the things, if things are going really well those first two days, then you could say, "I changed my mind. We'll we're in it for the long yes. haul." We had a kiddo who um, had temporary placement, 
and they went and stayed for a weekend and the foster family called back and said we are not prepared to give her up so can we just keep her so it does happen yeah um and she you know is thriving every time a child moves from a foster placement or moves a home it sets them six months back is that um, relationally so or is that educationally yeah educationally so if they can get to one place and stay there, that's another thing with an Isaiah 117 house, because they're going to be in a home, the caseworkers can really work to find the right placement. So maybe they won't have to move around as much. Yeah. And so do you know, like, what does it look like as a caseworker is trying to find a placement? Are they trying to, to find like just anyone willing to take them or are they trying to find like okay, they have similar interests or, or something like that, or do you know what that looks like? I cannot speak on that a thousand percent. I do know that there have been times when there's been kids in the office for a couple of days and they'll say, can you just take them for the night, you know, or um, this one has special needs. They really shouldn't be in an office environment. Can you take them for the weekends? Um, so I, I do know that there's definitely those emergency, please, can you help us? Um, I would assume that if if we wasn't in the foster care crisis, it would be a lot easier to step back and say, this child would fit in really well with this family. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So maybe that even in a future episode, maybe we could have a, we know a couple caseworkers, so maybe we could have and ask them a little bit more about what that looks like. Um, but really, yeah. I've been with you too. Yeah. So our, one big thing, you know, is how can people come alongside of Isaiah 117 and help? Sounds like, you know, there's opportunities to volunteer, but not quite yet. Um, mm-hmm. so what, what does it look like to, to make this happen? So- even though we don't have a physical location yet, we have already started living out our mission. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm at the DCS office right now, dropping off some much needed uh, chocolate for the caseworkers and um, some things for some kiddos that are here. So people can sign up to um, love on our caseworkers. We do that on the 17th of every month. We would love for businesses or families to sponsor that time where we just bring in treats for them. Um, we have a separate Facebook page called Isaiah 117 uh, Knox County DCS Help, and I post immediate needs on there. Um, like I posted today that we're probably going to need lunch and people have already commented and said, I'll do lunch, I'll do dinner, I'll do breakfast tomorrow. So that's cool. What was that Facebook group called one more time? It's called um, Isaiah 117 House Knox County DCS Help. It's really long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so that's also like emergency situations. Uh, Like we had a kiddo who was going to go take a shower, but they didn't have any clean clothes. So sometimes there's laundry needs. There's still ways that people can get involved while we wait for the house to be built. That's cool. And there are always welcome to message the Facebook page. Um, I have my phone with me at all times. I'm on call 24 seven. So they send a message. I can respond pretty quickly. That's good. What are some other ways people can come alongside? Sounds like 17th of the month. 
kind of loving on caseworkers. Maybe you could like adopt a a day or adopt a month and kind of do that. There's that Facebook group. Um, yep. Uh, monetarily, if you donate, if you become a monthly giver, you can get a really cool pair of Isaiah 117 house socks. <laughs> it might sound silly, but people love the socks. Like they message us and go, can I just get the socks? You have to become a monthly partner. Um, you can buy a t-shirt. I've got those in stock here in Knox County, all adult sizes from small up to 3X amount of kid sizes. Um, you can order a license plate. So we are doing pre-orders. We need a thousand of those pre-orders before they'll go into production. We are at almost 700. Okay. Wow, cool. Now, have you already got the funds for the house to be built? Is that fully funded or is that uh, in progress? We do have, our goal was to raise $150,000 and we have met that. Um, and 75000 to build a house. And I know you can't build a house in Knox County for $75,000. But when you have some contractors and subcontractors who come alongside you, it's a lot easier. Um, so we should have the funding that we need. We do still have some holes that we need to fill as far as funding services um, for the house. What are those? I have a list. Yeah, I'd like to hear the list. Yeah. Um, I'll look that up as we talk here. Mm -hmm. um, and then 75000 to for the first year's budget because we are completely debt-free. Oh, wow. We don't want to have any debt. Um, and so we did that. Um, a lot of that is thanks to Weigel's. They gave us a $40,000 grant last year. Wow. Sweet. Um, and so, yeah, we're very, very thankful for the... Um, it looks like we can still use some lumber. Mm. Um, and some footing labor. Footing labor? Mm-hmm. Insulation. And some trim work. So that's for building the house. So you got your contractor saying, I don't have a trim guy yet. I don't have, we, pay, we pour the foundation. I need somebody to help me frame all this stuff up. You know, they, they don't have those. People. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and some, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Some people have said we want to help, but we need to see the house plans first. So we just got those um, recently because they had to get modified just a little bit. We all start with the same house plan, but somehow it's never the same really. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. Um, so we lot. just sent those out. So hopefully we'll be hearing back. Okay. So will this be something where you have your group and like those people that you already have minus these few people that are still needed will kind of do the whole project or will there be a time when it's like, Hey community, we need all hands on deck here to build this thing. What will that be like? There could be, um, I know other counties have posted needs, you know, before of, Hey, we thought we had this lined up, but we don't. And then someone steps up. It's amazing what social media can do. Yeah, definitely. Um, for us. But our general contractor is really good. She has a lot of resources. Okay. Um, so she has a lot of people in her pocket that she's been uh, talking to. And um, we're just hoping as we continue raising awareness and as we start building the house, because it's real now, you know, people know it's not just a dream that God just sends the right people somehow. Yeah. 
And that's something where both at our church at Legacy, and I know you're going to be with the kids tomorrow, but there's a lot of handy, handy type men around there and women who, if, if there's ever a need. And then one of the churches that Legacy planted a few years back, Citizens Church, they have a lot of people that are could do a lot of hands-on work that I think would be excited to help. Yeah, I'd have a hard time believing that that if, if it wasn't getting done, I would think it's because it wasn't clearly asked right, yeah. to get done. So yeah. De- yeah. definitely reach out. I was just going to say definitely reach out to, to Legacy if um, or us or Sarah Beth or whoever you've been talking to over there. I think that there'd be a lot of people that could do those things. But what were you going to say? Absolutely. I, oh, I spoke to a church a few weeks ago, and they'd asked what we needed. And I said, well, I'll have to get on my list, but I know we need help with HVAC. And by golly, the next day, I had two or three emails. Do you still need help with HVAC? That's right. So, That's cool. You know, I, I knew that God was amazing, and I was a believer before. But having a front seat, watching what he's doing and the way he works, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it comes back to, like you were saying, it's not, it's not a government problem. It's a church problem. And so I think that it's a really sweet thing when you can see churches come together and meet a need. And, you know, it's, I don't, what does Isaiah one seventeen say? Do you know off the top of your head? In a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> Do good. Do good. Seek justice. Take care of the orphan. Take care of the widow. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, man, what a great thing for the church to come alongside of and be a part of because it's, mm-hmm. it is just that it's meeting so many of those needs. Um, and it's, it's like you are, you're on the front seat getting to see the adventure unfold right before you. And I tell you, like, I get yeah, very, there's been a, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say there's been a lot of times when I've been in the middle of something and I've had to really make myself like stand back and say, you better take a look around because you're going to want to remember this. Yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I, was, I just, there's something about, I don't know what it is, but you, you said like it's beautiful and I, I would agree. Like it, there's something about just coming together as a community uh, and somebody raising awareness and other people meeting those needs. And, and I don't know what it is, but it's just, it is one of like the most beautiful like community things is when you have a need and people are banding together and, uh, and yeah, and nobody's forcing anybody, you know, nobody's taxing anybody, but everybody's giving out of their, their heart, out of their abundance. And, yeah. And, uh, I love it. Yeah. One of the things that we do every summer is we have a organization wide lemonade stand challenge <laughs> in this past summer between all of the counties that have expansions or open homes, we raised almost $300,000 in lemonade. Wow. <laughs> Only God can do that. <laughs> and we raised almost 10,000 in lemonade here in Knox County. I mean, it's, it gives me chills. That's selling lemonade at a lemonade stand with, or is that? Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. So yeah, that's awesome. Just, yeah. We, yeah, we just throw it out there and kids and churches and, businesses partner with us and they hold lemonade stands and then at the end of the day we get our tallies and we send it out and who would have thought that lemonade would be would be the thing that's awesome i want to 
We're going to do a lemonade stand next summer. <laughs> right. Yeah, little kids hear this. They say, golly, Mom, I want a lemonade stand. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the most beautiful thing of our ministry. Like, it is really amazing to see adults come together, yeah. you know, and do this. But it's the kids. That's I right. mean, watching kids come together to help other kids. I can't even put that into words. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I guess this is kind of our last question, and then we'll see if there's anything else you want to leave us with. But what are some things specifically we can be praying for for Isaiah 117 House here in Knoxville? Specifically for us, you can just pray that we get the house built as soon as possible. It needed to be built yesterday, if I'm being completely honest. Mm -hmm. Um, but just that, I don't know, that's the biggest need. And then I know this is not Isaiah 117 health specific, but just that more families can step up and foster or step up and offer that respite care. That's good. Okay. And we love our caseworkers. So if people want to pray for them, I know they would appreciate that very much some perseverance and for them strength yes it's good and uh i don't want to backtrack too far but on the giving like how to support um there was too like so how would people if somebody said hey listen i'm i'm a finished guy or you know i i pour foundations would they have to email you or they, would that do it through the website or how would they get in contact with you? There's a whole bunch of different ways they can do that. Yeah, they can go through the website. Um, all those notifications go to our Reach Source Center in Elizabeth and, and it would get sent to me. They can message the Facebook page. They can call or text me um, at 423-426-2723 or they can email me. Uh, Christy.Whitehead at Isaiah117house.com. Okay, and then also, I think that, uh, I might be wrong, but the church was maybe asked for coats, and uh, it was, a, I don't know if it was food. It was gift cards to places yeah. um, close to Western Avenue, and um, gently, new, gently used or new fall and winter clothing. Yes, so we we spend a lot of money, which is wonderful, and um, because the community has been so generous. But there are times when those gift cards, you know, we can leave them with the caseworkers so that they can help get food. Um, I, I don't have teenagers in my house. I have small kids, so I have learned in the past month that teenagers eat a lot, <laughs> and they eat often. Um, so yeah, gift cards are great. Any uh, brand new clothing is fantastic, and it will be used, whether it goes to the storage unit and we go shopping at the storage unit or we drop it off to DCS or it waits till our homes built. Okay, that's good. And remind me one more time, when when is the date that you're hoping to have the house built? Six to seven months. Um, that's if COVID doesn't get in the way because we have had some of our homes that you know, they were waiting for parts for a sprinkler system or um, things like that. But that is our hope. Okay. Sounds and good. if it's sooner, we will be ecstatic. Awesome. All right. We can definitely be 
praying for that. We're excited about, and we're excited to, you know, know what's going on and to have gotten to talk to you and learn more. And I think it'll be sweet for the Legacy Kids Ministry tomorrow to get to hear from you as well. Or I guess people listening to this um, podcast, it'll be yesterday. But That's right. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, I'm be- really excited to be there. And I, you all have blessed me so much by even letting me speak to you today. Yeah. Um, and thank you for helping us raise awareness and, and get our name out there. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.